Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. All right, this is the John Smith Show. If you want to be part of the show, the number, as always, is 602-475-2000. Or uh, you can use the live chat. Tonight, we're going to be using the live chat. I do have a special guest uh, that's waiting in the uh, the waiting room right now. His name is Tyke Magditch. He was actually at the Washington, D.C. rally on January 6th. He was there. He saw everything with his own two eyes. Uh, so I wanted to bring him on the show because with the media out there, we don't know what to believe who to believe what went on what didn't go on he was there he's an eyewitness and uh so i want to hear his story i got a couple questions for him and uh and uh, maybe we'll take some questions too uh later on uh from the uh, instant chat but uh let's bring him on his name is tyke magditch hey john welcome to the john smith show tyke how are you doing buddy i'm doing good thanks for having me really appreciate it you got it uh, so uh, I appreciate you taking the time out and being on the show and, and talking to my audience a little bit about your experience back on the 6th of January. Uh, but let's kind of start from the very beginning. Um, Tyke, tell me about what is it what, or why is it you decided to attend the rally in the first place? Yeah, so I'll tell you that I I debated attending the rally for a long time. Um there have been rallies relatively close to our area. I've never gone to one, um, even the uh, pre-election rallies. Uh, and I just felt that this one, this one was really important. Um, you know, somebody that uh, I follow on social media said, you know, what are you going to tell your kids? What are you going to tell your grandkids? That, you know, I, I got into a lot of arguments on social media. I, uh, I posted a lot of cool memes or I did something. And that was the yeah, that was the breaking point for me. I just I just decided that it was time that I actually did something in a uh, peaceful and organized way, but basically just showed support. Okay, that was it. And uh, of course, you got permission from the wife to go, which was nice, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, you know, anytime you do something big like that, it has to be a family ordeal. It has to be uh vetted and approved by the family and make sure that everybody knows what kind of uh risk you're taking or that you're going to be gone for a while and people are going to have to pick up the slack um part of the debate going into this not from the family they were very supportive for me was that you know recently there's been a lot of uh clashes uh antifa pride boys etc right this event was likely to draw some some clashes uh some resistance let's say so I really had to internalize that and decide what whether or not I was going to be um, put myself at risk for for that kind of thing. So, sure. Um, the sense yeah, under and patriotism kind of overruled those fears. Gotcha. Understandable. Now, um, so you got there. What what uh, around what time do you think you got to the the capital? Was it the day of, or was it the day before, or? Yeah, so I was I was visiting family in Pennsylvania, and a friend of mine uh, met me there, and we left Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at about midnight, and we mm. were standing in line for the event at about about five a.m. as well. Oh wow! And there were already probably 
five to six hundred people in front of us in line. Okay. Tell me what the uh, the the atmosphere was like when you were there. Was it was it rowdy? Was it pretty calm? Was it kind of more of a family event, or what? What did you feel? Yeah. So first of all, the crowd was very diverse. Um, my friend and I had an opportunity to meet people from all over the nation, several people from different countries, um, from Latin America uh, specifically. It was very diverse. I would say very family oriented. There were people there with their kids, not many, there were a couple families there here and there. Um, a lot of people, you know, our age in their 40s and plenty of people well older in their 60s, 70s. Uh, I would say it's very calm. Uh, you would get, especially just waiting in line at five o'clock in the morning, the gates didn't open until seven. It was very cold and windy. So uh, I think that probably keeps everybody a little bit subdued. But, you know, occasionally you yeah. get the chance of USA or, you know, stop the steal or something. But overall, it was pretty just pretty laid back um, up until when we got in. Even even as speakers started, to, you know, we started getting um you know the people getting up on stage doing their speeches etc even then you it, it was exactly what you would expect from a political rally a little bit of chanting here and there um but very very calm peaceful okay gotcha and now uh just so i have an idea because i really don't uh the capital is on the far east side of the mall right mm -hmm. and then the uh the washington or the lincoln memorial would be on the west side by the potomac and then the washington monuments in between where was the stage set up as as far as the mall is so concerned if you can if you can think going away from the capitol towards past the washington monument towards the white house there's an area called the ellipse outside mm -hmm. of the white house the stage was between us and the white house we were in the ellipse the the washington monument was behind us oh gotcha okay perfect five six hundred yards behind us okay so you were probably the north of the washington monument in between the white house and the okay yeah. perfect okay and then uh let me see here uh did you stay for the entire speech of donald trump yeah absolutely uh, my friend and i got really lucky I, I will say and this isn't a criticism of the organizers but it, it i've never organized anything that big so I, i'm not going to be critical with <laughs> There was a little bit of disorganization. Uh, for instance, the VIP sections hadn't filled up. Uh, it took a really long time to get people through uh, security, and it was Secret Service running security, doing all the checks. By the time people started speaking, the VIP there's two sections of VIP that were uh, segmented, two different sections. I guess it was VIP and VVIP or something. Uh, they weren't full, so they started letting us funnel in and take those areas. So I ended up about 150 feet from Donald Trump when he was speaking. Oh, wow. So, okay. Because they let that feel in. Uh, we got very close. So we stayed for the whole thing. There was no way we were going to miss anything. Uh, just as a, uh, you know, color commentary, um, Rudy Giuliani gave an amazing speech. Uh, that guy is just an amazing, uh, order, you know, really on point. Um, Eric and Eric Trump and Trump, Trump Jr. Spoke. And then, of course, Donald Trump came out and uh, he gave his speech. And, uh, yeah, we stayed for the whole thing. OK, cool. And now, would you say that the majority of the people stayed or did what did it look like people were filing out before Trump was done speaking or? You know, we saw some some little pockets of people filing out, but we were way up front. So if there were people way in the back, you know, five, six hundred yards behind us filing out, we would never seen that. Uh, but even in the front. 
occasionally you'd see a couple people filing out, but not, I wouldn't say that from my vantage point, it wasn't a lot of people. Okay. And, and the reason I'm asking, I, I, there's a, there's a reason I'm asking is because, um, the timeline, a lot of people are talking about this where, because from where you're at, where you're standing, where the stage is mm-hmm. and where the bulk of the people are, it's not a short walk to the Capitol steps. It's, no. it's a hall. Yep. It's yes, it probably going to take, uh, they said maybe 30 to 35 minutes in a crowd that big to funnel out of there, to be able to walk to that to the capital is that is that accurate or no uh you know i would say 30 25 to 30 minutes i don't think you know i'll i'll admit when you're in an event like that and you're kind you know you're standing in the middle of history Mm -hmm. i can't say that i had a stopwatch going and i knew how exactly how far it was so how how, exactly how much time i don't know probably i would say 25 minutes to half an hour probably it was a long time i know that yeah, it's pretty far because I've I've been to D.C. multiple times and making the walk from the Capitol to the Lincoln Memorial. That's an it's an all day deal. Yeah. It's not something that you can just do in a couple hours. Right. Yeah. So it's it's and an all day deal. It's at least a couple miles. So, I mean, yeah, an average pace. If, you, if I was jogging, it would have been. Oh, yeah, that's a good. If I was jogging, it would have been 20 minutes. So I guess it had to be at least half an hour. Um I'm not quite that fit, so I would say it was at least a half an hour. Now, during the president's speech, and of course, this is opinion, but you were there. And and Tom, (laughs) one of my listeners has uh, a comment. He says, I find it interesting. People were waiting in line to get into a quote unquote riot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that how it works? You wait in line for all morning to get in a riot? Yeah. Uh, but you get assigned uh, like a like a role or something, right? You, <laughs> role. Yeah. So, in your opinion, when you were listening to the speakers, uh, did you feel like anybody, including the president, but, you know, anybody, you know, all, any of the speakers, uh, that they were there to incite any type of violence? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, um, and it's it's out there on video. You can find it. Mm-hmm. If it's up still up anywhere. I don't know where to tell you to find it, but certainly the end of the speech, Donald Trump says, we are going to march down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol and we are going to peacefully protest. He says peaceful protest. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I will be with you. And, you know, um, Eric Trump and Trump Jr. gave similar speeches. Hey, we have to fight harder. So there was a little bit of, hey, we've got to fight. But it wasn't we have to take up arms. We have to get violent or we have to be forceful. It was mm-hmm. we need to do a better job of getting on top of these things. And we need to we need to you know fight this corruption. Right. So OK. Never, never in the whole time that I was at the event at the Trump rally piece of it, that I feel like there was going to be anything but a peaceful march. And I, you know, I was hoping we'd get down to the Capitol and we'd be loud enough that maybe they'd hear us inside and know that there was support. There was support there, you know, mm-hmm. patriotic, spiritual support, not, you know, militant support, just the support of the people to do the right thing. Uh, we got Thomas Hamilton in the room. He's from Glasgow, Scotland. He's a loyal listener. He says, hello. I just want to say hello back. Uh, so... Now you're you're a pretty avid uh, conservative, yeah, yes. And uh, are, where's your faith? Are you are, are you a Christian man? And 
Yeah, I am definitely a Christian man. Uh, we've raised our uh, children to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of our lives. Um, and I'll tell you that uh, I have family and friends that question um, how much does Christianity influence politics and vice versa. And mm-hmm. my stance is that your belief system should inform, your worldview should inform the rest of your decisions in life. Um, so I don't think there is a distinct separation Uh, especially when we're talking about some of the issues that we're talking about specifically in this election and and where we've been over the past 12 years, Um, the degradation of morals and the, uh, you know, the increase of abortion. And so there's so many issues that are, quote, political issues that there's no way to not fall back on your faith and your beliefs to understand your beliefs and your direction on those political issues. I, I happen to agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I think I think there is a movement uh, amongst some factions of Christianity where they just don't want to be any part of the political system. Yep. Uh, I believe I believe that's how Jesus was. He didn't get involved in the Roman politics, so to speak, that were going on. However, um, there were many of his followers who did try to fight i, I don't know i mean it, it's a, it's a it's not clear. what this whole conversation's about but yeah and and if i'm talking too much please let me know because i tend to be a little bit verbose and people i work with will definitely let you know that um <laughs> no that's why i had you on for you to talk not not for me to talk <laughs> so my, my viewpoint on it is this in the bible it says to uh give rome what is what is rome's right you know pay the taxes because they're doing etc um, honor your leaders. Um, the, the the weight of the government sits on Jesus' shoulders. So, you know, really God has knows what's going to happen and is control. Everything works to his good. So mm-hmm. at the same time, the biblical time period when Jesus was alive, there was a it was a dictatorship. Right. And they didn't have a lot. I mean, there was Roman citizen rights. Right. But they weren't they weren't voting at the voting booths. So on Judgment Day, when I'm standing in front of God, and there's going to be plenty of things for me to answer for, because like anyone else, I'm foul. Um, I, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm fallible. Uh, but mm-hmm. one of the things I don't want to have to answer for is, okay, I put you in the perfect place to influence your country, your fam, your family first, obviously, your your community, your country. I put you in a place where you have a voice. Why would you not take advantage of that voice? Why would you not use your voice to influence the government, which you are supposed to be plugged into? Our founding fathers, the vast majority of them were Christians, the ones that weren't respected the Christian morals, and that's why they went along with the writing of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution the way it's written. Um, They would not have us stand idly by and let things happen. We should take our Christian beliefs, we should take our foundational uh, beliefs, and we should apply them to our lives politically and participate because we're here. If we were in a country that did not allow that, we would be in a different situation. And maybe I would be translating and reading those verses a little bit differently as to bear the weight of the government and just bear with it and do the right things. And as long as they're not violating my direct ability to worship God. We're in a bunch of different situations. We have been empowered 
and we are expected to participate. And I think it's it's a huge mistake to think that, you know, hands off, God's got it, and I'm just going to sit back and do what I'm told. Right. I just don't think that's right. Yeah, I don't either. And, uh, you know, we can get into uh, scriptural debate and, and theology and things, but uh, within within the Bible, it says there's no greater sacrifice than to give your own life, f- you know, for others. Yes. And I think about the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have given their own lives for America freedom, you know, for our freedoms, for our liberties, so that we can be free, so that we can go to church on a Sunday and freely worship the God that we choose, so that we can speak up against the government through the freedom of speech, uh, so that we can arm ourselves to protect all of those freedoms on and on and on and on, right? So I believe that if you do kick, if you do sit back and you do, uh, and you're not willing to put up a fight, then I think you deserve what you get yeah absolutely you know it is what it is so uh that's where i kind of stand on it so i'm with you i think uh i think that was one of the draws to donald trump and we talk about this a lot is the fact that he was willing to fight back and fight for americans he was willing to fight for traditional american values and uh, he wanted to make the he wanted to truly make america great again i know it's a tagline but i i I believe that he believed it 100 percent uh so so you went there to kind of make your voice heard. Uh, there were how many people do you think were there? You know, once again, I was in front of the crowd, so I could not give a good assessment. Um, so I, everything we I say here, I will try mm-hmm. to make sure I differentiate between conjecture and eyewitness because I know that's a very that's why you have me on because you want sure. To so conjecture, while Trump was on stage and he's he's looking over the crowd, he said it was the biggest rally that they had ever had. Uh, he estimated, I mean, I don't know where he's getting his numbers from, but 250,000. I have wow. seen numbers from Newsmax and Fox News since then, aerial views where they've blocked off every so many blocks. To, and they say, well, there's about this many people. And, and there's all kinds of AI machine learning stuff where you can count people very easily in a picture. They're saying 450,000 or so. So wow. somewhere between those numbers, I think, is the truth. Okay, so that's a pretty healthy crowd. It, it was big. It was okay. Big. All right, so uh, Trump spoke. You said there was a few people that kind of bailed a little early, a little, little people here and there. But for the, the most part, you would say that the majority of the people stayed there until the, the, here, the, or t- until the, the rally was over. Uh, the rally, uh, nobody was inciting any type of violence. They were just talking about going over there, marching over to the Capitol to be heard. Right. Because that's why you were there. You guys were there because you felt and I feel that the election was fraudulent. I feel like there was a lot of voter fraud involved in this election. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I for the life of me, I don't understand why the Supreme Court didn't take up at least the Texas case. We can argue that all day long. But uh, part of his speech Trump said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave you out here in the cold a little bit longer. I don't want to do this to you, but I'm going to do it. He went through and listed every single line item of potential corruption or just outright and call it mistakes, whatever. So and when he got to the part when he's talking about how many dead people voted in Pennsylvania yeah. um, in different states and, you know, how many ballots in Pennsylvania were mailed out and they got 300 thousand more ballots that came back in than were actually even mailed out 
And the guy in front of me turned around and said, why don't they just go after those two things? I mean, like common sense, like right. it doesn't matter which side of this, what part of the spectrum you're on way left, way right, whatever. Common sense says, okay, we need to figure out what happened here and why this is happening. If they had done an investigation, and this is my opinion, just if they actually would have cracked open all the evidence and done an investigation and actually did, did their due diligence, all of this, out, us as patriots, we would have taken the outcome of that. We might have grumbled, but we would have accepted it because mm-hmm. they've refused to look at the evidence, because they've refused to dig deep and really let it go to court and take its due process. It's left. It, I think it's thrown fuel on the fire, actually. It's, it hasn't left it open. It's it's made it worse. Well, that's that's exactly right. And and uh, all they had to do, even even if they if the Supreme Court would have just heard one case yep. and just let the because that's the argument. The argument is that there was no evidence right. that there was any, you know, any fraudulent uh, election fraud or anything like that. And so uh, you can't even talk about it on Facebook or Twitter or anything else because they're going to shut you down. You, you're not allowed, even on YouTube, you're not allowed to talk about uh, voter fraud anymore right. because there's no evidence and all that does is incite violence. And, and, so, and they didn't throw any of those cases out for lack of evidence. They threw them out on technicalities. Right. So, I mean, that's if, a if good point. Yeah. If they just come to you and say, hey, we don't have the evidence that we've looked at the evidence. This isn't, this is all uh, incidental. This is all conjecture. This, that you don't have hard evidence. That's one thing, but they turned around and they looked at these lawyers and this legal team and said, Oh, you didn't fill out form 86, three B, whatever, or you're not the right defendant to actually bring this to the court instead of, you know, <laughs> maybe that's the right thing to do for a parking ticket. I don't know, but for, for voting rights, yeah. something that is core to our human rights as being able to participate in our government. I'm pretty sure they should have taken a little deeper look and looked at the evidence, heard the case. They could have thrown it out halfway through and said, you know what? This is, you know, kangaroo court. You've got nothing here. It's gone. Right. But they didn't. They didn't do due diligence. No. And uh, most of the attorneys for Trump and, uh, you know, a, a lot of the people in Congress were saying that the Texas case was the one that was the one that the Supreme Court was going to hear because it was pretty cut and dry. And so when the Supreme Court decided not to hear it based on a technicality yeah. and it, it, it shocked kind of the world. Yeah. You know, and it just makes you wonder well, why. You know, they even told the states they have their have their responses ready by a certain date mm-hmm. they were prepped they, they were ready to go something you know once again conjecture opinion not fact or i don't have any evidence but certainly something intervened something happened between the time the supreme court said have your evidence and your response ready and nope we're cutting it off uh something changed some influence right. and you know there's obviously all those rumors and there, uh, there was a uh, some testimony about some shouting in the in the Supreme Court's, uh, you know, behind closed doors. Um, right. Who knows? Yeah, exactly right. So, and you'll never know because it'll never be reported. Right. Uh, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. But I, I think, so, so uh, after the president was done speaking, he says, let's take a march. And then, so that's when, what would you say, what percentage of that massive crowd ended up at the Capitol? Because you were there, right? Yeah, I was there. Um, 
Probably maybe about half of it. Now, I'll tell you, I, for some reason, now, and once again, this gets down to some of the organizational structure of the march. Um, once we got to the Capitol, there wasn't, quote, direction. There wasn't people helping us get organized, get to one side of the Capitol. So we ended up s- split on two sides of the Capitol. I ended up on the uh, Washington Monument side, which happened to be, you know, that's the area where they do the inauguration normally. They put the inauguration mm-hmm. stage up. There's a back part that's got cement uh, bleachers elevated about, um, I don't know, 15 so or so feet in the air. All of this stuff, the, quote, bad stuff that happened, happened around the other side. So I will tell you, and I hope this doesn't, uh, you know, have a lot of your listeners uh, disconnect, but I was not on the side where the stuff happened. I did see stuff happen and uh, from the standpoint of I was there uh, with probably – I'd have to guess, guesstimate 50,000 people or more on the other side, on the Washington Monument side. And, you know, there wasn't a riot. There wasn't any violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are definitely some nuanced details that uh, if, you, if you're OK, I'll, I'll just I'll just share some interesting facts. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have a question, like yeah. r- real quick. I like my question because I, I've been to the mall, so I know how it it works. And so you're on the side of the reflecting pond. There's a parking lot there in front of the Capitol, the big reflecting pond, and then the Capitol right there. And yeah. I would say that maybe the back of the Capitol. I don't know. The one, yeah. anyway, the part that faces the Washington Monument. Why would logically? Why would people that were at Trump's rally? Why would they not naturally end up on that side? Why would there be so many people? Because that's a big building. And they've yeah. already walked, like you said, a few miles from the White House to the Capitol. Right. Why would it even make logical sense for people to walk all the way around the Capitol to get to the other side? What's that's maybe that's a point um, that's not clicking um, the blocked off route was up pennsylvania avenue um so we didn't walk up the mall first of all so it would have been once again i don't know what kind of permit they got what the organizational structure was but the the route to go from the rally to the capitol was not up the mall which most rallies you see on tv that's Mm -hmm. where they go right right into the mall they have someone speaking on the back side of the Capitol where the inauguration stage gets set up, et cetera. Um, that's not, that was not the route we told. We went down Pennsylvania Avenue and I don't know why, I guess because maybe just because of the mass of people that it's spread out around the Capitol. Um, hmm. I will tell you that two things I haven't heard nobody talk about at all. Uh, when we were standing in line to get in at 5 a.m., there were two women standing in front of us that were staying at a local hotel and they showed us pictures of pallets of bricks and they showed us pictures of propane tanks randomly sitting in front of their hotel. No construction, uh, no reason why they were there. Uh, I unfortunately don't have those pictures because I didn't know the I didn't know them. Um, and, you know, exchanging phone numbers with women <laughs> in the middle of the night is probably not something my wife would have uh, <laughs> would have approved. So um, but I did see the pictures. And when we got close to the Capitol, there were, I would say there were some instigators in the crowd that they had the electronic bullhorns and they were telling people, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving forward. And at one point, a guy ran behind me and said, the Capitol has been breached. Uh, By this time, I was probably 
50 yards from the actual building. Uh, there was uh, rumors going through the crowd that uh, there was an armed insurrection in the Capitol. Obviously, we know now this was all false. Um, well, not the breaching part, uh, obviously. But so this is after the Capitol was, quote, breached. We've got 50,000 or so people standing on the backside of the Capitol, uh, singing the national anthem, chanting USA. Small groups were breaking off and having prayer sessions. Um, and there was no violence. There was no mob violence. There was no rioting. I mean, unless the left is really so upset about the national anthem, they consider that so offensive that's rioting these days. The national anthem was sung probably half a dozen times while I was standing there. Um, it's just amazing that, you know, the narrative, the narrative they've come out with is so, it's the antithesis of what I experienced. Um, I will tell you again, some of the little details as they approach the Capitol up on that top elevated, uh, the, the, um, the stadium stair seating, the cements, you know, it's like a semicircle. Uh, mm -hmm. there were people climbing up scaffolding and going up there and there was a row of police at one point, And I actually saw this happen at one point, a gentleman went too far. I think he, he pushed into the police. I think he was getting aggressive. They slammed him onto the concrete bleachers there. Um, I later ran into another woman who showed me pictures of the guy who was kind of bloody. Um, they did release one canister or so they released some tear gas on that level. And, uh, some other protesters, people there were, went up, helped that guy, you know, he received some kind of medical attention. Someone had some med kits with him. That was it. After that, everybody stood around, kind of milled around and talked to each other and participated in a very peaceful way. At, ne at, at, at no point did those police, there's a whole line of police. At no point did they tell us to leave At no point did they get into another tussle. Um, at no point, there were, there were a couple times you'd see people kind of start, just because there's so many people, they would start to eat up, kind of inch up towards the top, and a group of police would come over. They would talk to them or say something to them. I was too far away to hear. I don't know what they're saying, but there was no pushing or shoving that people would calmly back down, and nothing happened. We just stood there and wow. you know, let our presence be known in a very peaceful way. Now, Tom was asking, uh, he said that he uh, they watched a video of a kid that talked about storming through the pepper spray and flashbangs. Uh, while you would not have uh, heard the pepper spray, did you hear the sound of flashbangs going off? No, absolutely not. Nope. So if that happened, that would have happened on the, the eastern side of the Capitol. Yeah, absolutely. So and once again, maybe this is a boring conversation because I, I do not have a no. perspective on that side of the Capitol where some of the action happened. Um I'll tell you, I uh, the woman that showed me the pictures of the gentleman that got tackled, and that he had, you know, he, he had some a head wound and some blood coming out. Um, she had been recording, and uh, she got pushed as well. She was on the very front line of the people that reached the Capitol, and she said she witnessed a group of people. "Quote: The first group was let in. The right. second group." tried you break in that was her exact words so it's not my first hand but i got it firsthand from somebody take it forward. yeah now when when this whole thing first broke and when i was watching from 
the live TV coverage and everything, there were people that were saying that uh, while everybody was walking over to now, let me ask you, was it a natural path for you to go from Pennsylvania Avenue to the back of the Capitol where you were, or was it natural, was it natural to go either direction? Uh, you know, I, that's a great question. At the time, I, I just kind of followed the crowd in front of me. Um, so, okay. And so they were naturally funneling yeah. to the, the back. Okay. To the back. Yes. yes. And then, uh, there were people that were eyewitnesses that were on I, and I I wish I had this video because there were a lot of people that that said the same thing that while they were walking and while they were going to the Capitol, there were buses that were arriving and there were people getting off the bus that were joining into the crowd and they firsthand they witnessed that firsthand and that was on TV. Now, they're not playing those videos anymore about those people saying that. Right. But so my question to you is, do you believe that there were some just this was somewhat planned or this was okay? Tell me. Tell me about that. Here's the two. Here's the two reasons why. Well, maybe more than two reasons. I won't limit myself. Number one, as we've seen in all the riots and the uprisings through the summer, there were staged things like pallets of bricks and propane tanks. That's yeah. number one. That's the baseline. And we saw that during the we saw that during Black Lives Matter riots. Right. Yeah. All over the. So oh, it, it, yeah. I, I always say I really honestly think the left has one script. And I don't know if it's because Harvey Weinstein got put in jail and he's right, not writing scripts for them anymore or what the case may be. <laughs> but they have one script and they just keep reiterating the same dang script, whether it's whether it's impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. Or, I think you know, Rob Reiner writes the scripts now. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, there you go. Probably. <laughs> Him and Alyssa Milano. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple up here for you. Uh, so the other thing is, my I didn't see it. Um, I saw, okay, I saw a little bit of it. So as we approached the Capitol, my friend that I was with, who's quite a bit taller than me, says, hey, there's Antifa. And I was like, what are you talking about? There's all those guys up there on the steps in black. They have an Antifa flag. By the time we got there, they were gone. I saw people dressed in black. They were to wow. the left of the back of the Capitol. They were on an elevated kind of as it goes up the hill. I didn't see the flag. Uh, by the time we got there, he was saying, you know, I, maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw. Maybe I, I don't know. He clearly thinks he saw, and I saw people in black, dressed in black, Antifa. The other thing is, what I was saying before, let's not underplay it too much. There were people in bullhorns that were, I would say, instigating um mm. driving move forward move forward patriots move forward um we're gonna take the capital press forward go up to the bleachers get on the bleachers get up there and uh then there was chastisement you know quit quit stopping to take pictures this is this is more important than your facebook post and stuff um see that's that, not a tr that's not trump rally no no so this is the funny part for me, okay, none of this is funny. Maybe I shouldn't take humor in this. Maybe six cents of humor or something. Uh, <laughs> they expected us. I honestly believe they expected us to get worked up into a frenzy uh -huh. and really attack the Capitol. They, I think they so anticipated us. And this is where, let's once again, I said I promised I would make a dif differentiation. This is not eyewitness. This is a conjecture. This is where I'm offering an opinion. I got the feeling that they really thought they could wind us up to the point that we lost control and just charged the Capitol. When Lindsey Graham and the other senators came out of hiding, out of their bunkers, and back to the floor, 
And I'm listening to those statements later, you know, the next day I'm watching videos of the statements. I felt like those statements were very well written and scripted prior to the time we got to D.C. And if they were told this is what's going to happen, it's going to give you the excuse you need to flip. And but the statements they made didn't line up with the reality. So I'm going to get on a soapbox a little bit here, but bear with me. We need to control the narrative because right now the narrative is being being controlled by the leftist mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about riots and mob violence. Nancy Pelosi said thousands of rioters. What is she talking about? Because we saw pictures when well, now the videos are coming out. We've seen videos of people milling through the Capitol like they were going on a museum tour. Um, yeah, there's they stay within the velvet ropes yeah. like they're waiting in line for a movie. So, yes, there were absolutely, I would say, there were um, individual and isolated acts of violence. Individual people in isolated incidents took it upon themselves to smash windows and harm people. And and it's very, we should not underplay the fact that some people died. Um, Right. This should not have happened. It was not the time or place to be, you know, for for an insurrection or uprising. It's crazy to think anybody could have done that. Um, But that minimal, that that small slice of what did happen, and we have to validate, yes, there was some individual and isolated acts of violence. That pales in comparison to 450,000 people peacefully protesting, waving flags, singing the national anthem, breaking off in little groups to pray for our nation, um, much different than the narrative that came out of the senators' mouths before, right when they came down out, out of lockdown, right? So they're in their bunker, they come back out, and suddenly they have these prepared statements that I was going to help this vote. I was going to try to derail or defend this vote or whatever. But now I'm going to flip. Now I'm going to, uh, we're going to yeah. just proceed. I, it didn't Why? Did work. all of a sudden the facts change? That's... You know, facts didn't change. If you still believe that there was voter fraud, right? That doesn't change. And think about it. They're locked away in these bunkers. They're probably getting some updates from the Secret Service. There's no way they knew the details of actually what happened because we're still trying to figure those details out now. Now all the videos they had to get out in front of the videos being released. They had to get out in front of the real narrative coming out. I really. Mm-hmm they had some pre-scripted responses and they really thought they were going to work this crowd up into a riot and they have an excuse to to back down and say well this isn't right thousands of people rioted that but that never happened so their script completely missed what it re- reality happened because once again as you you start to say john we're patriots we're conservatives mm-hmm. for the most part you know there's crazies in every crowd but for the most part we're going to follow the rules we're going to respectfully disagree. We're not going to shout hatred and, you know, burn things down. And right. I think they really thought they could get us to do it. And, and, you know, some antagonizers in the crowd, maybe, and some patriots maybe went too far. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, being in that crowd, I would have loved to have seen just like they did when, uh, when they were taking the vote on abortion rights and the, the pink movement, I think it was called, invaded the Capitol. 
um, when the Kavanaugh <laughs> hearings were going on. Those people were banging on the doors of of the uh, of the you know the the room where they're holding the hearings. I would have loved to have seen a thousand or two thousand patrons get into the Capitol legally. Let our voices be known loudly but peacefully. That's mm-hmm. what that could have been a very good thing to say. Hey, we're here. We're going to be heard. Uh, we're not violent, but we're not going to be quiet anymore. We need to speak up. And right. you know, so I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of rambling now, but uh, no, no, no. I I, I agree, and I the situation. I I really appreciate um, everything that you're saying here because it does it it does fly in the face of everything that's being spread out there. It just doesn't make sense. You know, if these people like Nancy Pelosi talks about, she came out and she said that her and uh, the other reps had to hide under their desks for three hours and all this BS and all. But then all of a sudden they were all right back in doing their thing. You know, if they would have gone through such a traumatic experience and the Capitol was breached as bad as they say it was, how could they go right back to business just just moments later? So none of it adds up to me. There's two things about what you just said that I just have to I have to point out. One, if Nancy Pelosi was hiding under her desk, where was she when that guy was sitting in her chair like 20 (laughs) minutes into this thing? Right. I mean, I'm sure she has multiple desks. (laughs) I don't know. know. A little odd. The second thing is, I, I don't remember who the senator was. I apologize. Uh, I watched uh, some newsreel yesterday. I think he, was, he might have been on Newsmax or Fox, but he was saying that there weren't enough weren't enough Capitol police in the chamber. He and several other senators stayed back. They barred the doors. They overturned furniture to block the doors, the barricade doors. So the the overturning, the turmoil that happened in the chamber happened Sounds- because senators blocked the doors right they showed the video of the people that were in the chamber in the senate chamber right and they weren't overturning anything they were kind of like snooping around and taking the selfies yeah exactly i mean it was the it, it, this is the oddest you know with respect to the to the people that died this is the oddest mob violent riot i've ever seen and i'll tell you john um my friend and I, when we left, and we left before, you know, we heard there was going to be a curfew. And honestly, I'm getting mm-hmm. to that point in my, my life. I'm older, and uh, my joints were getting sore. It was cold <laughs> all day. My feet were wet. So we said, you know what, we're, we're, we're yeah, and I hadn't slept, literally had not slept in two days so we could get there. Um, I got cold, but we left. On the way, uh, we're driving a little bit out of town to hit a hotel for the night. And we start hearing these reports that there's riots. And I took it very personally. Um, That's why I'm honestly, that's why I'm doing this today. I took it very personally because I had participated in what I feel is a amazing collection of very diverse people. Like I said, there were people of all races, ages, colors. I mean, it was just backgrounds. It was amazing. And we Mm -hmm. were together and we stopped and talked to people at and it felt like you'd known them your whole life. There was a commonality there and a common spirit there in that crowd. And then for them to flip that and, and grab the narrative and lie and say, there's mob violence, there's rioting. Nancy Pelosi said thousands of rioters. I, I took that personally. I got right. very offended. It, it took me days to like really kind of simmer down and be like, okay, you know what? 
This is what they always do. It's the same script they always spew. I, it's nothing's going to change. I can't. I can't get upset because they're they're taking it this far. Personally upset. Excuse me. But you know, at the same time, I can help change the narrative. We have to capture the narrative. When Fox News started, came come out. You know, like two day, a day and a half later, I'm home and I'm watching Fox News, and they're talking about the riots in D.C. No, that's the wrong. That's absolutely the wrong thing to say. We should be saying. Right. You know, isolated incidents of violence, otherwise extremely peaceful protest. Um, you can acknowledge that there were those isolated incidents of violence, but you cannot say those were riots. You cannot say those. No. Were, and and they, you have Megan McCain on, on The View saying that these people need to be treated no differently than Al Qaeda. Yep. You've got uh, people talking about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump is responsible for inciting this riot and this all, all this type of stuff. You've got you've got people that are saying just outrageous things. Yeah. And my point the whole time, just from an outside viewer watching it on TV, and I know how big these rallies get. I you know, I've attended uh, one of Glenn Beck's rallies. Okay. This was a long time ago at Washington, D.C., and uh, there was probably 200,000 people there. And when we left, there wasn't a dirty cup, a piece of trash, nothing. They left the mall cleaner than it was when we got there. Yeah. And that's how the patriots have always behaved. I've never gone to a Trump rally or a Bush rally or any rally like that and left and seen the place trashed and everybody is calm going in everybody is calm going out so for this one to be to get so out of hand so quickly uh and and again the timeline doesn't match up because by the time like you were saying you were still 50 feet from the capitol on the close side and the capitol had already been breached on the other side right so the timeline just doesn't make sense unless people were there to do it. Right. And now they are calling for this immediate, uh, you know, removal from office. Uh, they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, go with the 25th Amendment, uh, which obviously that's not going to happen. Now they're they they introduced, you know, a second impeachment uh, and. And now you're starting to see Republicans uh, like Mitch McConnell and uh, Liz Cheney come out and be in favor of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You know, again, this is all opinion and it's all it's just none of it adds up. But it all started with this this phony insurrection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you think about it, you know. Two things. One, when I was holding my phone up recording Trump give his speech. I had to move my phone around a lot because there were other people in front of me with their phones up. Mm-hmm. There is not one minute of this thing that's not recorded. Right. This has probably been one of the most recorded events in history because you have 450,000 people-ish. You figure at least 200,000 of them got their phones out recording at any instant. People know now, like, if something looks a little fishy, you start recording. Everybody's, like, into this, you know, social media habit. Start start recording. Start streaming. There is not a minute of this thing in any dark corner of the Capitol that's not recorded. And I believe, and this is conjecture again, it's my opinion, I believe that they tried to get in front of it with scripted responses and in a, a course of action 
25th Amendment impeachment. They're trying to get ahead of it before the real information comes out. It's coming and you're seeing it's coming out with the um, with those videos of people just milling through the Capitol peacefully uh, with the police. There's a video of the police opening the door and standing back and letting people in. The truth will come out. No, in fact, one of the police officers said, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I understand. He yeah, said it right, you know, and while he's opening the door for people. Yeah. And, and you know, the woman that had the pictures uh, that was on the front line, kind of got there first, saw people walk in. Um, she, when they threw the, the gentleman down um, on the steps and she went to help him, uh, you know, she got back up. The officers, this is her relaying the story to me. The officers tell her to back up. And she said, you know, this is our house. This is the house of the people. You know, this is the people's house. That's what it is. And he just kind of nodded and said, yeah, you're right. And I think that's where the officers decided on my side of the Capitol that as long as we didn't push, as long as we didn't get violent, they were going to let us have our peaceful protest. They weren't going to gas us and continue to gas us or push us back. And right. that's where it is. Yeah, I agree with Jennifer. She made a good point. She says, I believe this was all a very well choreographed plight to make sure Trump can't return in 2024. And that's really the end goal. And they've made that very they've made it very public. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats do not want Trump to have the ability to rerun in 2024 because they know he's got 80 million people that want to vote for him. Yeah, I honestly and in, in uh this is just one person just average person sitting in front of my computer uh <laughs> i don't think he should run in 2024 i think trump is much more dangerous outside the government without handcuffs on i think yeah. if he can build a media company i think if he can he can help us to have our own platform um you know intellectually uh, physically actually have some you know set up some technology have a platform um i think he's much more dangerous and much more helpful on the outside throwing support behind some candidates that are younger something i've been i've been critical of the republican party for many uh many years um we don't pull the younger generation up in a sense that uh if you think about like the second you know uh george w bush's second term why not bring in, you know, you're going to get reelected. Why not bring in a really young Republican as your vice president for the second term? It sounds very strange. Why would you kick out Dick Cheney? But tell you what, you bring a young Republican in for that second term as VP. That person has a platform and a foundation to launch a career and take people with them. Right. I mean, we're depending on, and this is maybe this sounds cold, but we're depending on some very some people that are way up in age to really ride their coattails, they're not going to be there very long. I mean, look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't <laughs> have his senses. You can't ride Joe Biden's coattails. No. Right. So we need as Republicans or conservatives, let's say, uh, whether you call it the Republican Party or the Patriot Party, whatever the case may be, uh, we need to start elevating a younger generation in the party, in the movement, so Trump gets, say, let's say Trump gets behind Candace Owens, um, a- any one of the major influencers we have right now, or, or right. you know, I I, I, I want to say Rick Santorum, but you know what? I I have my own, I've got issues with that. I think he's going off the rails. Anyways, uh, someone <laughs> young like that, right? Someone that's known a good commodity. You put Trump behind someone like that. Yeah. Now you've got the train keeps going. 
I agree. And, and I think the people that Trump has to support have to be outsiders. I think that's part of the brand. Yes. Uh, and that's where I, you know, I look at Rick Santorum and he's been inside the Beltway for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's just not someone, you know, that uh, I'm just not interested in the politician anymore. Exactly. Right. That's right. You know, I just I just don't I don't I don't want a politician. Now, if Trump's kids you know, they stay actively involved and, and they find people, you know, and I think this during during um, uh, Don Jr.'s speech, in fact, you were there so you would know uh, he was talking about saying, listen, um, we're going to primary the GOP. Yes, we better. And I love that idea. You know, I know a lot of people, including myself, have been thrown around the idea that it's time for a legitimate third party. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I think if you go in your primary some of these you know uh, rhinos if you will mm-hmm. with like a solid trump outsider conservative uh you know who believes in the constitution and believes in making america great again i think the republicans will uh they'll take a beating yeah i and you know the third party uh the whole third party discussion so i'm going to age myself here and you can do the math the very first election I voted in was um, was Bill Clinton's first term and I voted for Ross Perot because I wanted an outsider at 18 years old I wanted an outsider someone that knew how to run things like a business and um, I'll tell you I had a political science class that year and uh, the professor basically uh, made me rethink my choice because it was the third party that pulled the votes away from Bush that created the Clinton era. And God uh-huh. forbid we do that again. Now, change from within, and I hate to quote or call out AOC because she's the antithesis of everything I think America is, but right. she's changing the Democratic Party. She is an intern talking to Nancy Pelosi, the CEO of a huge conglomerate, and saying, I'm going to tell you how to run things. And somehow she's getting away with it. We need right. more than inside of the party. We need to transfer them from with inside. Now we can run outside. We should operate outside the establishment to create momentum, to create candidates, to get behind people. And then, like you said, as we go into primaries, we need to insert those people into the primaries. Get a lot uh-huh. of get a lot of momentum behind them, a lot of force behind them, and start and start turning the seats over. I agree 100 percent. Yeah, I agree. I agree so much. Jennifer has a question here, and then I'm going to let you go because I know it's pretty late there. Uh, He says uh, she says, do you both think, though, that now that they have control that we will ever see another Republican in office again? Yeah, I think so. Uh, They are able to change so much within their voting parameters. You know, the tide always, you know, it always turns. Now, the only thing that concerns me, it's not can a Republican win legitimately, but can a Republican win an election with the amount of voter fraud that's out there personally? And I don't know how you feel about this, but um, I just don't know how much I trust the electoral process anymore. So I've gone back and forth on this personally. Um, So the negative side of me, the pessimist says, we will never have another ballot election in my lifetime. Uh-huh. Excuse me. Um, you know, that's the pessimistic side that says we need to organize very small groups locally and really prepare 
to, you know, be overtaken by socialism and communism. The optimist side of me says it's the state legislatures, not the federal legislature, the state legislature that decides on voting laws. We have not lost the state legislatures yet. We have two years to petition, to write letters, send emails, get into their offices. Um, and when I say get into their offices, I'm talking about scheduling appointments and going. <laughs> let's be clear, right? <laughs> yeah, let's be clear about this. Yeah, we have we have two years to influence through yeah. through letters, emails, phone calls, appointments, whatever it takes. Those state legislatures can lock down the voting process to the point of guaranteeing a fair and equitable election. Now, if they don't do their job, if they don't support us, then yeah, I, I don't think they're, they're, yeah. I mean, what are we gonna see, you know, worst case scenario, what are we gonna see in the next two years? We're gonna see the Supreme Court get stacked. We're gonna see them add senators. They're going yeah. to stack the deck so horribly that we can't overcome it. Right. But, as long as we can get to the state legislatures, as long as we can get them to do the right things. And those people usually, and you know, there's a lot of career politicians at the state level, but they're a little bit more connected to the people. You know, um, yeah. I can go into, we could do another. Uh, and just so that, because uh, I understand what you're saying as far as adding senators and adding, uh, by turning D.C. into a state or turning right. D.C. into yeah. a couple states, or, they've or talked Puerto about Rico that. Or in Puerto Rico, right. And uh, those are would be very democratic. And our founding fathers uh, never wanted the capital to ever be a state because they knew it would be full of corrupt people. Right. They were very intelligent people. So it should not be a state, but it's probably going to become one. And uh, that's going to throw, you know, that's going to throw the uh, the majority into the Democrat side. Uh, as far as stacking the Supreme Court, I'm just going to throw a little bit of my conjecture out there. I believe that's why Roberts and the rest of uh, the uh, the Supreme Court people decided not to hear the Texas case or any case because I believe there there was a deal. That's my opinion. I think there was a, hey, listen, you don't let any of this go through. You don't hear any of these cases. We won't stack the court because they know the Democrats know. Yeah. If they stack the court, then the next time a Republican's in office, the Republicans will stack the court. And, you know, um, down the line, you're going to have 35 Supreme Court justices. And they don't want that. And they know that. So I think that was a deal made. I can't, I'll never be able to prove that. Uh, but I would be surprised if they stack the court. I don't think they have to. I, 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 yeah, I'm very disappointed in the Supreme Court right now because of the current, it just seems like they're being cowards. They're hiding. But uh, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hate that. I hate to think that they made a deal with anybody because they should be completely isolated from the politics. But if that if that get, keeps us from getting a stack court of all democrats and you know every law is going to be a negative uh anti-american anti-rights law if that happens right so yeah i i hope you're right i hope they i, I hope they don't stack the court it would it would be disastrous if they do well listen give susan a hug from us we'll do and uh tyke man i appreciate you having having you on and hearing your side of things and your eyewitness because listen uh there were so many thousands of people and i think everybody needs to have the courage to come out and share what they saw that day 
because the truth has to prevail, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and, And and I've posted on Facebook a million, well, maybe a dozen times. I was there. (laughs) Like, why are you saying these things? Why are you arguing with me? I was there. Like, I saw Right. I was standing in the spot where the riots were supposed to be. They weren't there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Dude, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you had a good time. I hope, uh, you know, I hope it was a fair interview. I think it was. Definitely. And uh, I hope we can uh, stay in contact. Uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll have you on again if, uh, if, if we see it, and, you know, if, hey, if it if makes sense. If your listeners and viewers uh, thought this was uh, interesting and intellectual and fun, I would love to come back and talk about many other things. Uh, I've got lots of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. So Tom says thank you. And by the way, Tom uh, is a Marine. And uh, so uh, he loves his country. He's a patriot. And so he appreciates your eyewitness point of view. Uh, Jennifer says thank you. Uh, we've got uh, Adana RPM. Welcome to the room, Donna. Watch, learn, enjoy Tyke's Take. And we saw and experienced uh uh, and what had happened at the March of Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Thank you. Excellent interview and interviewee. Thank you, Donna. I appreciate that. Uh, so we'll end it with that, uh, Tyke. You go. I'm sure you've. it's 11 o'clock there. Um, yeah. It's probably bedtime, right? Yeah, it's getting late. <laughs> All uh, right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and your professionalism. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be Likewise. Okay. Take care, man. Have a great one. All right, so that was uh, Tyke Magdic, uh, Magic, Magdich. I don't say that every day, uh, but what a cool dude. And uh, for him to come out and just share his uh, eyewitness account of everything. And, you know, you, you talk to people that were actually there. And, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, people that watched it on the news or were, were near. The people that were actually there, the patriots who were there and participated uh, in the event, it just doesn't line up with what the media is telling us. And I know that my viewers of this show, they're not going to be shocked by that because we know that the media is not honest, right? I think Donald Trump told us that the media is the enemy of this country. And when he said that, I thought, man, that's harsh. But I think we all understand now he was he wasn't telling us as much as he was warning us. Guys, don't believe everything that the media tells you, even if it's on Newsmax or even if you read it on some you know, website that you trust. Talk to people that were actually there. Anyway, that's it. Uh, until next time, until tomorrow night, uh, we're going to have Tom back. We're going to have Julia back. Uh, so we'll have the panel back. We're going to be talking about everything that's going on as far as... Um, uh, the just the big tech uh, censoring everybody, every conservative, every Trump supporter, every conservative uh, tech company, uh, you name it. We're going to be talking about that. And I know Julie is working on some good stuff as far as Mark Zuckerberg is concerned. So she's going to have some a ton of information for us tomorrow night. Uh, so tune in again. Uh, we start at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. That's Arizona time. And that's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for being part of the show. Until tomorrow night, be good to each other. Take care and God bless.